Radio Nigeria, uplifting the people and uniting the nation. The time is 7 o'clock. Good morning and welcome to the news on the network service of Radio Nigeria, Africa's largest radio network. I am Princess Aboraro, reading with Fubara Pepo. The headlines. Government shuts down all media stations in Zamfara State. Elected Governor of Ekiti State takes oath of office today. Nigeria joins global community to commemorate World Food Day. Over 600 farmers receive training on modern agribusiness in Plateau State. Our commentary today is on legislation of food policy for sustainable production. Remember that this news is streaming live on RadioNigeria.gov.ng. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RadioNigeriaHQ and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RadioNigeriaNetwork. Now the news in detail. Governor Bello Matawali of Zamfara State has shut down all federal and private media houses in the state for covering the People's Democratic Party PDP political rally. This is contained in a statement signed by the Zamfara State Commissioner for Information, Alhaji Ibrahim Magaji Dusara. The statement also directs the State Commissioner of Police to arrest all pressmen that attended the event organized by the PDP governorship candidate in Zamfara State, Dr. Dauda Lawal Dari. The order also affects Radio Nigeria's Pride FM, the Nigerian Television Authority, NTA, and other private stations in Zamfara State. The governor-elect of Ekiti State, Mr. Biodu Abayomi Yebanji, will today take the oath of office and be sworn in as the seventh elected governor of the state. Mr. Yebanji will be taking the oath of office with his deputy, Mrs. Monisha Diafuye, in Adoekiti, the Ekiti State capital. Our correspondent reports that the state is a beehive of activities as people of Ekiti and high spirits as they look forward to having a new governor who will succeed Dr. Kayote Fayemi. Dr. Kayode, who has served two terms as governor from 2015 to 2022, is the longest-serving executive governor whose tenure of office ran concurrently for eight years. The Deputy Senate President, Mr. Ovi Omoagigi, has expressed sadness over the devastating devastation caused by floods in, the par in parts of Delta State. He made his feelings known when he embarked on a tour of to flood-ravaged communities in the state to ascertain the extent of damages. Mr. Omoagigi lamented the devastation caused by flood on lives and property and called on the Delta State government to be proactive in addressing the welfare of affected communities by providing them with relief materials. Areas visited included communities in Ugele North local government area, internally displaced persons, the internally displaced persons camps at St. Michael College and the Isoko Central School in Isoko South local government area of Delta State. Nigerians have been advised to take up family planning services to reduce poverty and improve productivity in the country. The Minister of Science, Technology and Innovation, Dr. Adeleke Mamora, made the call at a ceremony in honor of a retired director in the Ministry of Health, Dr. Adebinkbe Adeni in Abuja. Dr. Mamora, who advocated more policies and platforms that will encourage more Nigerians to patronize family planning services in the country, said it would lead to the achievement of universal health coverage. The retired director, Dr. Adebinkbe Adeni, who was overjoyed, thanks God for the opportunity to serve the country till retirement. Our correspondent reports that Dr. Debing Badini was a member of the defunct Presidential Task Force on COVID-19 between 2020 and 2021. The President General Unsog Yutuf Worldwide Chief Labe Iha has described the national honors bestowed on deserving Nigerians by President Muhammad Buhari as a wake-up call to service a nation. Chief Iha, in a statement, expresses particular appreciation to the president for conferring on the leader of the chief people, the Tortiv, the fifth, Professor James Ayatse, the title of commander of the Federal Republic. According to the president general, Nzo Yutiv Worldwide, the award given the royal father is also by extension a reward to all the hardworking sons and daughters of Tiv extraction who have contributed immensely to growth of the nation. Chief Iga, while congratulating the tour chief the fifth, Prince Professor James Ayatse on the national award bestowed on him, 
also appreciates the Minister of Special Duties, Senator George Akume, for recognizing the paramount ruler for the honor done him. And talking about awards to gubernatorial candidates of the All Progressives Congress, APC in Benue State, Reverend Father Hyson Dalia, has joined in congratulating the paramount ruler of Tief people, Professor James Ayatse, on the award of Commander of the Federal Republic bestowed on him by President Muhammadu Buhari. Father Alia, in a statement, describes the award given the Tortif V as well deserved and a recognition of the tremendous contributions he has made toward nation building. Also, a non-governmental organization, Yogboku Foundation, has described the award given the Tortev as a testament of his selfless and patriotic service to the country. According to a statement by the president of the foundation, Mr. Jimmy Ajim, and the secretary, Mr. Tena Giadu, the foundation is proud of the Tortev V, Professor James Ayatse, and urges him to do more in his service to Tief people and the country by extension. In the meantime, the governorship candidate of the APC in Benue State, Reverend Father Hyacinth Alea, wants the people to be optimistic about his capacity to transform Benue State positively if elected governor of that state next year. He stated this while speaking in Makodi during the unveiling of Mr. Sam Ode as the party's deputy gubernatorial campaign director general. Father Alea described as unfortunate the poor situation of social economic activities in Bene State, giving assurance that his administration would strengthen the civil service and improve the lives of the people. The APC campaign director general, Mr. Sam Ode, who expressed appreciation to the party for the responsibility given him, gave an assurance that he would not take the opportunity for granted. Radio Nigeria, uplifting the people and uniting the nation. The Honorable Minister of Information and Culture, Alhaji Lai Muhammad, welcomes President and Heads of Government, the UNESCO Director General, Ms. Audrey Azola, and other UN officials, foreign ministers, ambassadors, international dignitaries, and members of the Federal Executive Council to the UNESCO Global Media and Information Literacy Week 2022 with a the theme, Nurturing Trust, a Media and Information Literacy Imperative, date 24th to 31st October 2022, opening session, 24th October 2022, at the Banquet Hall, Presidential Villa, Abuja, time, 3 p.m. The other sessions of the Global Media and Information Literacy Week 2022 will take place at the Transco Hilton Hotel. Special guest of honor, His Excellency, Muhammad Buhari GCFR, President, Federal Republic of Nigeria, Mrs. Lydia Shehu Jafia, MNI, Permanent Secretary, Federal Ministry of information and culture announcer Nigeria is on the march towards the 2023 general elections and Radio Nigeria, your favorite radio station is back with Platform, your most engaging program. Tune in to Radio Nigeria from 12.30 to 1pm every Tuesday and listen to political parties, their candidates and other actors in the 2023 general elections and get to hear firsthand their manifestos, programs and agenda for the country. The program is Platform. The time is 12.30 p.m. every Tuesday and the station is Radio Nigeria Network Service. Platform. Don't miss it. National Broadcast Academy Lagos commences another set of basic courses October the 17th, 2022 in broadcast production, broadcast presentation, broadcast journalism, broadcast engineering, media marketing, digital studio management, and information and communications technology. Prospective candidates must be degree or HMB holders. The courses are open to public and private radio stations as well as interested individuals with the requisite qualifications. Admission forms can be obtained at FRCN Zonal offices in Enugu, Port Harcourt, Ibadan, Abuja, Kaduna, Lafia, and Bochi, and the school premises 1A Adipni Faji Way, Ikeja, GRA, Lagos. For further information, call 0803 495 7602 and 0706 798 7192. Visit the website www.natba.edu.ng. Radio Nigeria, uplifting the people and uniting the nation. 
Now, we mentioned earlier that the Akiti state governor-elect, Mr. Abiodu Abayo Banji, will today take the oath of office and be sworn in as the seventh elected governor of the state. So joining us on the news via telephone is the chief press secretary to the outgoing governor of Akiti state, Mr. Yinka Uyebode, to give us an update on preparations ahead of the swearing-in uh, ceremony due for today. Uh, good morning, Mr. Uyebode. Thanks for joining us. Good morning and thanks for having me. Okay, so can you give us a brief update on preparations ahead of the inauguration ceremony today? Okay, thank you very much for uh, for for the honor. You're welcome. Uh, the, you notice that yesterday, the outgoing governor, Dr. Kari Faiyin, was ceremoniously pulled out yesterday, the first of its kind uh, in this state, because most time the state has never had a seamless transition. That's always been a rancorous transition process. Mm. Yes, it is. And today, we're going to be witnessing one of the most seamless transitions in the history of politics in Nigeria. Today, the transition program starts because, number one, the governor performed his last exercise yesterday. That is Dr. Kadi Fahemi. And this morning, he will be available at the pavilion. If it's a park of pavilion along Adui Road, the new Adui Road, that is where we're going to be having the inauguration ceremony. And uh, we're expecting uh, colleague governors of different states of the federation coming around to the state uh, with, the, with the new governor. We're going to have the leadership of the, of the APC from the, I mean, talking about the presidential flag bearer, Ashajibola Ahmed, governors of the APC control states will be coming around. And all need all friends and well wishers to be on ground. Uh, to with us. Okay, so you've actually answered one of my questions. I was going to ask who and who is expected, you know, and when it's... But I'd like you to tell us, when is it likely to commence? And then let's feel the pulse of the people in Abekite uh, this morning as we speak. The program is scheduled to start by 10 a.m. in the morning today. Mm. And uh, we expect uh, people to come across the 16 local government areas of the state to converge on Abekite Park or Pavilion. We're going to be having this spread, uh, parade show, we're going to have international show as interlude to the program and the, before the, 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 the program is begun. It is people generally are in a very exciting mood. Number one, this is somebody that they voted for in the last election and they are happy that their vote did not just count. It was not only counted, it counts for itself. So their votes are, are really counted and they are happy. Again, the significance of... Uh, uh, Mr. Biodo Abayomiribandiza, is regarded as an homeboy. Homeboy in the sense that he had his primary education, secondary education, and secondary education in Ekiti State. And he also commenced his uh, lecture, lectureship job at Ekiti State University before he joined politics. So they consider him as an homegrown, a full homegrown. Over the years, they've been having governors who probably had their education outside the state, some outside the country. This is the first time they're having a governor that had his primary and tertiary education and commence working. And Oyebanji was the secretary of the committee that worked for the creation of the So as a young man, at the age of 27, he was assigned that honorable task of serving as a secretary to the committee of Heldas. The committee cons comprised of uh, uh, our political leaders, traditional leaders, and leaders of thought within the state. Okay. And he, as a young lecturer in the state university then, was considered a secretary. So a lot of people see him as, one, as a young man who mm. has done a lot for the state. Okay. A young man who has been groomed over the years. He started as a special assistant to the governor in 1999. Later, he became a special advisor. Later, he became the, the chief of staff. That was in between 1999 and 2003. And when the government of Dr. Kadifari came in 2010, he also served as commissioner for budget. I served as Director General of OTSD, that is Office of Transformation and Strategy and Service Delivery. Then, later, he also served as Commissioner for Regional Integration. And in the coming of the second time of Dr. Kari in 2018, he became the Secretary to State Government. So you see the trajectory of Biodo Ibanji. He has been consistent uh, uh, with the progressive goals, and he started his grooming right from the administration of Otumbani Adibayo. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. Mr. Yinko Yubode, you've actually given us a good rundown of uh, Mr. Yibanji. The fact is, he's not elitist, he's grassroots oriented, so the people are happy about it. Many thanks yeah. for joining us.
Is that okay? I said many thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. All right. So, well, we're not done with Ekiti yet, as uh, we're also being joined via telephone by the Speaker of the State House of Assembly, Right Honorable Fumini Afuye, to speak on the role of the legislature in setting the right atmosphere for the incoming administration of Mr. Bildun Oyebanji. Glad to have you join us on the Network News, Mr. Speaker. Good morning. Hello, good morning, Mr. Speaker. All right, well, we are trying to get, get connection to speak with Mr. Speaker of the Ikiti State House of Assembly. Hello, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Are you? I'm, I'm very well. Congratulations to the people of Ikiti State. Thank you very much. All right, thank you for joining us on the network service. Now, the legislature is, a, is, is key in the formulation of programs and policies of government. How is this assembly poised towards creating the needed environment for the new government to take off effectively? Thank you very much. Uh, in a stage, we don't have any problems in the new government taking at this, at, this, at this time, we in Ekiti, we already have structures to absorb or to jumpstart any new regime. But we're lucky in Ekiti, this is a back-to-back -back transition from the government of APC under Dr. John Coyote Fahemi to the incoming today of building the structures are we have a transition law that the new gov gov governor we have to of course take off from where the, the outgoing one lives off not only that there is a template a template of governance a program was launched not um, just during this transition program uh, period that puts a kitty on the path of knowing what to do. The steps are there. The roadmap is there. The blueprint is there. So the, the, the government doesn't have to start throwing helter skelter. It takes off from where the outgoing one lives off. And of course, this, all these things are supported by the legislature. Uh, the grace of God under my watch. So there is no problem taking off to hit the, 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 the new government, hit the, the ground running almost immediately. Good thing. Now, what are the expectations of legislatures from the new administration going forward, especially in ensuring a greater equity state for the people? Well, the expectation is that the new government will continue what the uh, outgoing uh, government. Uh, has been doing. There is no abandonment of project. The the roadmap has, like I said, it's always there. And the legislature will be a, a, a watchdog on all the activities of government. Uh, luckily, we have a 26-member APC legislature. So the issue of uh, uh, disagreement does not exist between the executive and the legislature. You've if you flash your mind back, or if you are current with what is happening in legislature in Ikiti, the legislature and the, ex and the executive, they work hand in hand because most of the issues are resolved before anything, any policy, any policy uh, steps are taken. And of course, you look at all the areas of policy, there's engagement between the executive and the legislature. So, Everything becomes seamless, and people uh, commend our, our government for this. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the Network News. We appreciate your time with us. Thank you very much. Well, that was the Speaker of the House of Assembly, Right Honorable Fumini Afuye, on the role of the legislature in setting the right atmosphere for the incoming administration of Mr. Biodun Uyebanji, due to be sworn in today. Well, that, that's it. We've heard from the Chief Press Secretary and the Speaker. Those 
the government of the government. Now let's hear from the people. What do labor union leaders and transport unions want from the new government to harness the state's natural resources to boost internally generated revenue, prioritize citizens' welfare, defray salary arrears, as well as gratuity, and address the current spirit of insecurity in the state? Well, these were part of their submissions while interacting with Radio Nigeria and the expectations from the new administration. Oriola Afolabi is our guide. First to speak, the Chairman Trade Union Congress, TUC, Ekiti State, Mr. Shola Digun, urged the new governor to start work immediately so that workers, artisans, and traders in Ekiti State could feel its impact. So we want Ekiti people to start feeling the government immediately. Once our salaries and pensions, gratuity that pay, the effect will be felt in the society. Mr. Adigun pointed out that the poor internally generated revenue could be addressed through private partnership, proper waste management, and conducive environment for farming. The chairman, Nigeria Union of Teachers, NUT, Ekiti State Wing, Mr. Emmanuel Oke, wants the new government to sustain regular payment of salary, gratuity, pension. The NUT chairman also called for training of teachers on new techniques address pending promotion of workers that were yet to attract financial benefits, leave bonus, employ more teachers, and establish more modern schools across the towns and villages in Ekiti. On his part, the chairman pick up a lorry association of Nigeria plan. Ekiti State Chapter, Mr. Rasak Sikiru, taxed Governor Abiodo Uyibanji to, as a matter of urgency, address the poor state of road network in the state. The road that we fly our vehicles uh, the more. As you can see, as far as Ekiti State is concerned, we do have uh, mechanic village. So all this is where the damages are caught, it costs us more money to repairs our vehicle. Mr. Sikiru observed that the bad condition of roads linking Ekiti to other states and Ado Township roads were posing serious threat to transport unions. Others who spoke challenged Mr. Bredo Uyebanji and his cabinet members to ensure economic growth, attract investors, encourage youths to farming, create industry and employ Youths in Ekiti. In Ado Ekiti, Uriola Afolabi, Radio Nigeria. When Nigeria today joins the global community to celebrate the World Food Day, it is a day set aside by the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations to highlight the importance of food to humans and need for government at all levels to promote food security. In this special report, our agriculture editor, Zakios Ababalola, chronicles the food system since 1960 and the importance of the present administration attaches to agriculture. According to Central Bank of Nigeria, in 2016, agriculture sector in the 1960s contributed 85% of the Nigerians' foreign exchange earnings, 90% employment generation, and 80% to gross domestic products. Available data confirms that at independence, the contribution of agriculture to GDP is put at 60%. And let's not believe it is typical for developing agrarian nations. This perhaps necessitated the need for government to initiate several programs on agriculture between 1962 to 1968. The program line of action was farm settlement scheme and was followed by national accelerated food production during General Yakubu Gawan regime. General Rusha Gwabasunjo initiated Operation Feed the Nation and former head of state Alaji Shagari implemented the Green Revolution, followed by NADA as well as the Directorate of Food, Road and Rural Infrastructure, DIFRI all aimed at ensuring food security for the nation. The period of former President Olusegun Obasanjo came up with presidential initiative on various agricultural commodities, followed by Sheo Musayaradua and Gulog Jonathan policy of agricultural transformation agenda, championed by the former Minister of Agriculture and Development, now the President of African Development Bank, Dr. Akimi Adishina, with a strong commitment to make agriculture a business. Recognize that agriculture is not a way of life. Agriculture is a business, it's a wealth creating sector. If you take a look at Africa today, in, in total, Africa spends $35 billion a year importing food that it should be producing. And if we do nothing about that, by 2020, 2025, Africa will be spending another $110 billion importing food. President Mahmoud Bouhari came on board 
with agricultural promotion policy anchored on five pillars, which include Anchor Bora Scheme, launched in November 17, 2015, with billions of Naira to promote agricultural commodities, Presidential Fertilizer Initiative, Youth Farmer Scheme, Presidential Economic Defensification, and Food Security Council. We have made remarkable progress in almost all segments of the agriculture value chain, from fertilizers to rice to animal feed production. We shall sustain these policies to ensure additional investments are channeled, thereby creating more jobs in the sector. One of the major beneficiaries of the Ankobora scheme is Rice Farmers Association, led by its president, Malam Amenugoroyo. From 2015 to date, all the rice we consume in Nigeria is being produced by Nigerian farmers. And then who are those Nigerian farmers? The smallholder farmers. And that is why we are getting where we are today. Under this administration, Nigeria ranked the largest producer of rice in Africa, producing 8 million metric tons out of African average of 14.6 million tons. This administration also put an end to fertilizer racketeering with the introduction of presidential initiative on fertilizer as attested to by Dr. Thomas Etu a member of the Presidential Fertilizer Initiative. We've received 46,200 metric tons for the first batch. Each batch is 46,200 for phosphate, and we have also received 32,000 metric tons of potash from Europe. Ministers of Agriculture and Rural Development under President Mahmoud Buhari's administration are Chief Aldobri, Alaji Sabo Nanono, and the current minister, Dr. Mahmoud Abubakar. The government commitment to developing the agriculture sector is not in doubt. Although COVID-19, Russia, Ukraine war and insecurity in some part of the country posting threat to the agricultural sector, the short-term mitigation measures and medium-term plans of the government are yielding the desired result. In spite of various challenges, which include COVID-19, President Mahmoud Buhari's administration had witnessed various transformation and this perhaps led to the increase in the nation's gross domestic product, with agriculture contributing about 24.17% in Abuja, Zakios, Babalola, Radio Nigeria. Okay, agriculture. Anytime I hear it, I laugh because you go to the market now, you just wonder whether you can buy anything at most. Anyway, it's a very scary situation. <laughs> Ending hunger is one of the greatest challenges faced by Nigeria and many other countries. As such, World Food Day is an opportunity for government and stakeholders to further address issues related to food security. This and more will be the focus of discussion with the chairman of Farmers Association of uh, Nigeria in Kogi State, Dr. Tunde Arosonyi, joining us live in the studio. You're welcome. Good morning, Nigerians. So, um, as I said, you know, bread now, you know how much it is now, you know. You go now, 1,000, 1, 2, 1, 3, if you can buy a good loaf, meat, <laughs> those things are becoming, they are no longer for, for I don't know whether the lumpens, you know when you talk of the strata, lumpens, proletariat, maybe it's the bourgeoisies and petty bourgeoisies that are managing to eat all that now. There's rising cost of foodstuffs in the country. So all this talk about World Food Day, this is happening, fertilizer inclusion, uh, uh, Anchor Boras program, loans are single digits, how has it helped us? Sir? I want us to come down now. And before I go straight to answer your question, and mm. um, let me first correct the designation. Mm. I was former chairman of AFAN our 10 years back. Okay. Presently, I'm the national coordinator of Ozero Onga, Nigeria. Okay, former chairman. Maybe they yes. want you to continue. That's no, why they no, left no, it no, as chairman. No, actually moved All right, correction noted. Yes. yes. Um, food is an essential factor for human survival. And by United Nations standard, it is the right of every human. But I agree with your submission that the prices of virtually all the commodities have actually gone up due to so many factors. I will start by looking at the cost of production. Chemicals such as herbicide and fertilizer and seed has actually jumped up by over 100% in the last three years. And that is to say, if a farmer spends about a million to produce 
definitely he has to continue to be in business and in doing so the prices of what he used to sell at maybe five hundred thousand we have to go to about a million which is also an increment so rice bread bread jumped from 300 to about 900 presently which is about 300 percent increase mm. so i actually agree that some of the basic food items is gradually going beyond the reach of an average Nigerian. Mm -hmm. And that is to say, the Anchor Borrowers Program, the Green Revolution, and so many other policies mm -hmm. of government need to be reviewed. I still want to take a back look at Agricultural Transformation Program and then the Operation Feed the Nation. These two policies seems to still be the best in the last 30 years. There is direct interface with the rural farmer, whether you know the commissioner or you don't know any commissioner, you are sure that as a farmer, you can access input at subsidy rates. But all other programs has a lot of political coloration, mm -hmm. which deprives the common farmer in the interland to actually access the benefit of government support. For example, if you go to Agribank and you want to access credit, you discover that you may need to travel from your village to the a bank at least more than 10, 15 times <laughs> before you can get a listening. Yeah. And so you are expected to also deposit a seed money. So the farmer does not have the luxury of time. And they also don't have access to depositing seed money up to 30% of what you want. So you will agree with me that some of these policies does not have direct impact on the farmers. And consequently, the food production will continue to gradually reduce. reduce. So we should go back to ATA and policies that had direct you know, interaction with farmers and continue with them. That is my submission. Okay. Now, how is government and stakeholders, or how are they responding to factors militating food crisis, especially with the recent flood, which has raised concern? I was watching, uh, I think it was a documentary, with Nasarawa State, the rice farms there, Ulam farms and so on, are flooded. Exactly what I wanted to yes, say. Yes, flooded, yeah. yes. So how, how, how are we going to come out of it? Yeah. In 2012, myself and some other consultants did a memo to the federal government on the best way to address the issue of flooding and then to also have an advantage of food production. For, uh, we have two major rivers that transfers Nigeria from the north down to the south, that is the river Nigeria and Benues. Mm. And also these rivers also have dams in other countries, Cameroon and the other country above the Niger. So we expected government to construct canals, even if they cannot build dams, along the upper Benue and then the upper Niger. These canals, like we have in Suez Canal, over River Nile, we also have in Arizona Canal, in over the river of Arizona. So the, the first advantage, even if they uh, open the Lago Dam in Cameroon, the excess water can be channeled into these canals. For example, we have two canals along Benue and two canals along River Niger. The canals will then harvest the excess water mm. instead of going downstream to cause havoc. That is why if you check the flooding. And number two, those canals will also serve as all year round agricultural production in terms of fishery, vegetable, rice farming, maize farming, and mention it. So Nigeria has grown a population that needs to go beyond rainfed agriculture. We must do all year-round farming to be able to sustain the population, which is far Like above. you're having some international climate, so you have fruits and yes, vegetables all year-round. Year exactly. You know, we have quite a number of water bodies. Now, do you think we can attain food sufficiency anytime soon? And you've mentioned some of the measures already to achieve that, but do you think it's something that can happen in the near future? Yes, it can happen. Because Nigeria is endowed. Mm. If you look at 
this all the factors the soil is fantastic with a lot of alluvial deposits naturally fertile and then our rainfall even in the upper land like Kano is over 100 mm 1000 millimeter of rainfall unlike Israel that didn't have less than 700 mm so the sunshine the speed of the wind all the factors can definitely give us sufficient Some food production. Food. Well, let's hope that we get there. Let's see how it pans out. There's yes. a deliberate effort to not just talk as we normally talk, but implement policies. Thank you very much, Chairman, uh, former Chairman. I mustn't make that mistake again. All Farmers Association of Nigeria in Kogi State, Dr. Tunde Arosai. Thanks for being here with us. It's my pleasure. Now, member representing Barakin Ladi Riyom, Federal Constituency of Plateau State, Simon. Wankwam has trained more than 600 of his constituents on modern agribusiness skills to boost their capacities to be self-reliant. Speaking at the end of a two-day training in Barikin Ladi local government area, Wankwam, representing represented by his senior legislative aide, Mr. Daniel Jackson, said he has a lot of experience and passion for farming, knowing fully well that the majority of his constituents were farmers. He said he decided to target the youth because a lot of them are graduates and they anticipate jobs from government without success, noting that the beneficiaries would be given starter parks and cash to enable them start their businesses. He assured them that he would further assist those who established their businesses and were thriving to expand them. Mr. Ilya Sumanu, who was in charge of the training, said the beneficiaries were trained in different areas of agriculture, including fishery, piggery, fattening of animals, poultry, and crop farming. Two of the beneficiaries, Mrs. Mary Yang and Al-Haj Mohammed, appreciated the lawmakers for the gesture, noting that the initiative would significantly improve agriculture and ensure food security in the state. You're listening to the news on the network service of Radio Nigeria. And the headlines this morning, Zamfara State Government has shut down all federal and private media stations in the state. Elected Governor of Ekiti State, Mr. Abiodu Abayomi Yebanji, will today take the oath of office. Nigeria is joining the global community to commemorate World Food Day. Over 600 farmers have been trained on modern agribusiness skills in Plateau State. When we return, we'll bring you State House Diary. We have sports, newspaper headlines, commentary, and weather. Stay tuned. Radio Nigeria, uplifting the people and uniting the nation. My countrywoman. This is in our mind, they rule the world. And you agree with me, say, what will they do today? Go fit our fetter what tomorrow? Maybe better to real to sit down, not go school. Mm. In fact, who are we not go school? Try the tour here and there, like who not savvy road to enter market. Hmm, for country woman, you go here to re, we go change the way where you they think and the way where you they do things. Most time now, waiting people know fear for they know the important they want. Mm. So you go put needs, you go put wants, which one they important. Join body with me, Madam Sabi, every Sunday for seven o'clock in the evening inside the network service of Radio Nigeria for true life story. When go make you begin the take step, we go make you correct Kankwe woman tomorrow. Radio Nigeria, uplifting the people and uniting the nation. Next is State House Diary. to another edition of State House Diary as we review last week's activities at the Presidential Villa, the seat of government. I am Oledo Mbiwe. Last Monday, President Mohamed Ibrahim attended the investiture ceremony of Mohamed Idris Debi Itno as president of the transitional team in the Republic of Chad for two years. President Buhari, who is the current chairman of the Lake Chad Basin Countries, LCBC, joined the celebrations of the people of the Republic of Chad in inaugurating their interim administration to lead the country to elections and the formation of a democratic government. At a bilateral meeting held by the two leaders shortly before the inauguration, President Buhari congratulated the country's leader on behalf of the LCBC for earning the trust of the majority of Chadians to head the transition process to full fusion. 
President Buhari expressed hope that the event would bring to closure the painful phase of the Chadian political history, which led to the sad passage of one of Chad's most illustrious sons, late Marshal Idris Debi Itno. Also last week, President Mohamed Buhari on Tuesday conferred national honors on a total of 450 persons who were 443 Nigerians and seven foreigners that distinguished themselves in the service of the nation and humanity. He said the citizens who contribute to national development deserve to be encouraged and appreciated. Leading the 2022 National Honors Award recipients in the category of Grand Commander of the Order of the Niger GCUN were Senate President Ahmed Lawan, Chief Justice of Nigeria, CJN, Justice Lukayode Ariwola, Immediate Past CJN, Justice Ibrahim Tanko Mohammed, Director General, World Trade Organization, Ngozi Konjo Iwala, Deputy Secretary General of the United Nations, Amina Mohammed, and Nigeria's Permanent Representative to the United Nations, Professor Tijani Mohammed Bande. Speaking at the event in Abuja, the President commended the National Awards Committee for a great and patriotic duty by diligently going through over 5,000 submissions and coming up with the recommendations. I want to sufficiently commend the Chairman and members of the National Honours and the Award Committee for a job well done. The list of IODs is justifiably long since this exercise has not been carried out since 2015. Your commitment to the process of screening and selection has been well guided. Let me appeal to other Nigerians who are to receive this recognition to be patient and understand that their efforts in nation building are appreciated and at the right time will similarly recognized. Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, this administration will continue to partner with Nigerians and friends of Nigeria with like minds in our efforts to build the Nigeria of our dream, where everybody will strive to excel in their children fields devoid of parochial sentiments. Last Wednesday, President Muhammad Buhari swore in Justice Ariwala Olukayade as the substantive Chief Justice of Nigeria. Justice Ariwala took the judicial oath of office in a brief ceremony at the council chambers at the State House, Abuja, before the commencement of the weekly Federal Executive Council meeting presided over by the President. The Federal Executive Council approved 11.8 billion naira for the procurement of equipment and setting up of firefighting trucks and aircraft maintenance centers in Katsina State and Abuja. The Minister of Aviation, Hadi Sirika, who briefed journalists after the meeting in Abuja, said the approval was critical as it would enable the ministry to attend to issues with fire tenders in the country. This one is going to go the whole hog. It's going to be a full center for full ABC and D checks on wide body, multiple aisle, high capacity airplanes within the country. This will stop us from exporting our label, our foreign exchange, and will transfer technology and then of course begin in the future to put together and manufacture certain parts of aircraft and of course the aircraft itself. The Minister of State Health, Ikumakama Joseph, told State House correspondents that approval of about 592 million naira was given for the procurement of magnetic resonance imaging MRI equipment for the Bathami Awolowo University Teaching Hospital situated in Ilefe. According to him, the procurement became necessary following poor services to patients suffering from ailments requiring thorough diagnosis. He said FEC, in its magnanimity, approved the purchase of the single unit 1.5 MRI equipment to replace the obsolete one of 0.2, which is no longer up to standard. The minister was optimistic that upon delivery and installation of the equipment, patients who went through pains traveling to access better health services would stay back and access them at their leisure. Also within the past week, Vice President Jemu Shibajo attended the closing of the Maiden Gombe State Investment Summit. He stated that 
Effective collaboration between federal and state government to the private sector was a sure catalyst for boosting economic growth, economic diversification, and improved productivity. Vice President Oshibajo also said improving the business environment was critical to the prosperity of the nation. The Vice President commended the Gombe State Government for significant improvements recorded in this regard. This inaugural summit goal in that is consistent with Gombe State's mission to create an enabling environment for sustainable prosperity, peace, cohesion, and an all-inclusive development for the people of this state. As contained in the development agenda for Gombe State, the Deva Dome 2021-2030. Professor Shibajo, who was received by the governor, Mohamed Inua Yahaya, was also accompanied on the visit by the Minister for Communications and Digital Economy, Professor Issa Ali Ibrahim Pantemi. Well, that's a package on this week's edition of State House Diary. Join us for a fresh edition, same time next Sunday. I am Oledo Mbiwe. Let's move on to sports. Now, two Nigerian representatives, Plato United and Kwara United, failed to advance to the next stage of African inter-club competitions. In the CAF Champions League, Plato United lost 1-0 to Esperance in Tunisia, crashing out on the away goals rule after drawing 2-2 over two legs and dropped into the second-tier CAF Confederation Cup. The nation's hope is now hinged on Rivers United, who face defending champions Wydad Athletic Club of Morocco in Casablanca tonight. Meanwhile, Kwara United was punked 2-0 by CAF Confederation Cup champions R.S. Bekani in Morocco, also losing out on their wiggle rule, having drawn 3-3 on aggregate. Alambo Datonye brings us more sports news. Nigeria Professional Football League champions Rivers United will have to pull Chestnut out of fire against defending champions with that Athletic Club of Morocco if they must advance into the lucrative group phase of the CAF Champions League. The Stanley Guma handle team lead 2-1 from the first leg played in Portacot last Sunday and will have to avoid defeat at the Mohamed V Stadium in Casablanca tonight from 8 o'clock to qualify. The encounter has been marred by reports that Rivers United were allegedly held hostage in their hotel by about 10 Moroccan police officers who prevented them from traveling for their training sessions ahead of the crucial second leg first round tie. But head of safety and security department, Confederation of African Football, Dr. Christian Emerua, however, cleared the air on why Rivers United were prevented to leave their own Palace Hotel Casablanca for a practice session by Moroccan police on Friday. He said the team booked a training site in the Mohamedia, which is a city outside Casablanca, and in Morocco, the police cannot provide escort services beyond their jurisdiction. As such, they needed time to contact the gendarmerie so that they can hand over and allow them to escort the team to their training site. He explained that arranging such escort changeover requires some time and that was why the police asked the team to wait. Final group matches at the FIFA Under-17 Women's World Cup India 2022 will be decided from tomorrow. Countries in Groups A and B will file out to the pitch to battle for the remaining quarter-final slots. The Flamingos of Nigeria will battle Chile in their last Group B tie tomorrow by noon in Goa. Knowing that a draw is enough for them to progress as group leaders, Germany will have already sealed qualification with six points from two games, face bottom side New Zealand who have no points. The Flamingos are second with three points after defeating New New Zealand 4-0 and losing 1-2 to Germany, while Chile have three points but are third based on inferior goals difference after losing 0-6 to the Germans and beating New Zealand 3-1 in their previous two games. In Group A, tabletopping USA with four points taken, Morocco who are third with three points as Brazil who occupy second spot with four points tackle whipping girls and host India who are bottom with no points, conceding 11 goals in two matches and scoring none. In Group C, second round of games played on Saturday, China lost 0-2 to Colombia as Spain fell 2-1 to Mexico. The Mexicans had earlier lost 1-2 to China while Spain beat Colombia 1-0 in their first group ties. In Group D, African side Tanzania shocked France 2-1 as Japan trashed Canada 4-0 on Saturday. In previous games, Japan spanked Tanzania 4-0 as Canada and France battled to a one-all draw. Final matches in Group C and D will be decided on Tuesday. 
Secondary school girls hoping to pursue a career in football in Bielsa State now have an opportunity to realize their aspirations. This is because the maiden queen, Josephine Dietz's female soccer cup competition for secondary school students in Bielsa State is set to come on stream. A tournament which is sponsored by the wife of the Amayinaba of Tuan Brass and first military governor of the Old River State, Queen Josephine Dietz's is scheduled to get underway tomorrow. Chairperson organizing committee of the competition and president of the Karata Molding Foundation, Colony Christian Kokoriko will give the hint during an advocacy visit to the chairman of the Bielsa State Chapter of the Sports Writers Association of Nigeria in his office in Yenegua, said the tournament was aimed at encouraging girls in secondary school take active part in sports, provide an avenue for self-discovery and create opportunities for economic empowerment. This competition is to engage our youth meaningfully, bringing our girls together and also staying away from antisocial vices. We use this sport, which is being sponsored by Her Royal Majesty Queen Josephine Dettespi. With this competition, we can get some super players as Messi Akidi and other people, and also they can make fortune for themselves because they have this perspective that girls are not permitted to make fortune for themselves, but that is a very wrong perspective. Even if you're a male or a female, you have the opportunity to make fortune for yourself. The opening match in the Queen Josephine Dettespi Female Soccer Cup competition among secondary schools in Bielsa State is between Comprehensive Community Secondary School Biobolo and Community Secondary School Azikoro scheduled for the Yenezue Gene Field, Yenegua, by 4 p.m. tomorrow. Bielsa Queens defeated Abia Valiant 29-21 to confirm their promotion to the National Handball Premier League. They achieved defeat with exceptional performances from Ininitimi, Silvanos and Vera John to win the Women's Handball National Division 1 League tournament on the 5 of action in Benin City, Edo State. The men's category conference Queens, despite an MVP performance from David Amosa, suffered a huge 29-19 loss to Delta Force. In the other match of the category, Correction Boys annihilated Idapila with 35-19 victory. Final match of the men's competition saw Bendel Dynamos battle Ida Pilas. I am Alambo Datoye. Thank you, Alambo. Now we'll move on to newspaper headlines and we begin with The Guardian. 2023 elections, Ogun PDP in limbo amid court's judgments. But ambassadors have devised unique strategy to propel Tinubu Shetima presidency to victory. Oyetola's pledge to deliver 1 million Oshun votes for Tinubu laughable, says lawyer. Horiwa demands release of journalists allegedly persecuted by Kwara State Governor. And Kebi Court suspends magistrate for slapping lawyer others. We move on to the Vanguard. It writes, not total waste. Parents speak on lessons from eight months ASU strike. Tom Polo, three actors behind massive oil theft in Niger Delta. Sanusi to states, free yourselves from unorthodox policies at federal levels. Now panic as security operatives engage hoodlums on east-west road. I know Nigeria's challenges have enough experience to address them. Atiku, my administration will achieve double-digit economic growth, Tinubu, and IPOP ripples over Nandikano's court victory. Anambra Delta deadly floods. Seventy-year-old killed while sleeping in submerged home. Quite a pity. Sad situation mm. around the country. Now the Tribune has these headlines: insecurity. Zamfara government orders closure of all media houses. World Food Day. Insecurity. Lack of investment in agriculture. Feeling food inflation. Says Peter Obi. Northern traders endorse Atiku for 2023. Tompolo's boys discover another illegal oil pipeline connected to high sea. Six dead, five missing in Niger boat accident. We'll check out details of these and more on the Tribune newspaper. And that's it on newspaper headlines this morning. It's put together by Choice Air Kong. Next is the commentary. It is on legislation of food policy for sustainable production. Written by Professor Bolagade Ayola, President and Founder of Farm and Infrastructure Foundation. World Food Day is internationally celebrated today to raise awareness on hunger. The day was established by the Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO's member countries, at the 20th General Conference in November 1979. 
The day is celebrated widely by many other organizations concerned with hunger and food security, including the World Food Programme, the World Health Organization, and the International Fund for Agricultural Development. The annual event provides an opportunity on the status of food security in the world. The theme of this year's World Food Day commemoration is Safe Food Today for a Healthy Tomorrow, which aptly captures the challenges of food situation with most Nigerians living in hunger and malnutrition, which is not supposed to be so given the abundance natural endowments of the country available for food production, processing, and distribution. By and large, the poor food situation in the country could rightly be blamed on the wrong policy environment prevailing for formulation and implementation of government programs and projects to achieve food security. Hence, the need arises to chronicle the main elements of policy environment and prefer a plausible solution going forward. In this regard, there are three reflection points to share with Nigerians on this occasion of World Food Day. First is that independence of a country marks a major political change which in turn automatically marks a major policy change in agriculture. Second is that the transition of the agricultural economy of Nigeria from colonial to independence era was not smooth as it witnessed a constitutional crisis on agriculture from the onset and yet to be addressed 62 years on. At independence, the inherited federal constitution put agriculture on the residual legislative list, which implied that only the regional government, but not the federal government, was permitted to make policies or laws on agriculture, and which territory the regional governments guided very jealously against the incursion of federal government at independence in 1960. Also, Though the present constitution retains agriculture on concurrent legislative list, the crisis is yet to be addressed. This is because the division of labor established in policy making and implementation between federal and state governments is not operational, whereby the state governments are rightly assigned a superior responsibility for policy and law making on agriculture. Nonetheless, the solution lies in correcting the wrong food policy philosophy about the nation's perception of food since independence. To achieve this feat, the support of various ministries, departments and agencies should be commended with particular reference to the Federal Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development and the National Human Rights Commission for expediating action on the food bill in the country. While congratulating the people of Nigeria on this important development, the remaining state assemblies are hereby urged to pass the bill in quick time in order to secure assent of President Muhammadu Buhari, in whose time the food security of Nigeria will soon become more than a mere human need, but a fundamental human right, constitutionally guaranteed, thereby paving the way for a new policy regime for food security to thrive in Nigeria. What a wonderful opportunity of a legacy legislation for President Mohamed Buhari to bequeath to future generations of Nigerians. That commentary on legislation of food policy for sustainable production was written by Professor Balagade Ayola and presented by Joy Marker. For weather update, sunny skies are expected over the northern region with prospects of isolated thunderstorms over parts of Taraba State during the afternoon to evening period. Sunny skies with patches of clouds are expected over the north-central region with slim chances of isolated thunderstorms over parts of Kogi and Nasarawa State in the morning hours. Later in the day, thunderstorms are anticipated over parts of Plateau and capital, Federal Capital Territory, Abuja. And isolated thunderstorms are expected over the inland and coastal cities of the south. 
to end the news, a recap of the major stories. The Zamfara state government has shut down all federal and private media stations in that state. The elected governor of Ekiti State, Mr. Biodu Abayomi Uyibanji, will today take the oath of office. Nigeria is joining the global community to commemorate World Food Day. And over 600 farmers have been trained on modern agribusiness skills in Plateau State. Well, that's the news as edited by Conrad Labby and the production team. My colleague has been Fubara Pepo. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And I am Princess at Boraro to have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>